The Approaching the Natural podcast with Sid Garza-Hillman. Sid is the author of Approaching the Natural, a Health Manifesto, a certified nutritionist, health coach, and programs director at the Stanford Inns Wellness Center on the Mendocino coast of California. Hello, small steppers. Sid Garza-Hillman here. Welcome to my show, my weekly podcast, where I come to you each week to discuss my thoughts and perspectives about health and happiness, living better in the modern world, how to make real change, long-lasting, sustainable, overused word, I know, but truly sustainable change in your lives. And I like to help people do that better. Pretty pretty simple mission, uh, but man, it's not that simple of a subject. And 191 episodes later, you know, it's a practice for all of us. It's a it's an ongoing thing. More on on this in this episode, but it's a it's a it's a way of thinking and approaching your life life such that you 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 never stop. And it's it sounds arduous and like uh, and 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 surely that aspect of this work makes it sometimes hard to continue and also makes it very tempting to to lock into things that maybe seem easier than something that you have to spend your entire life doing and you can never stop doing. At the same time, there's real solutions, there's real change, there's real results, there's real happiness, there's real fulfillment, and those things come with a price. It's just, do you want to spend the quote-unquote money or not? That That's really what it comes down to is if you want to spend the time and the effort and do what it takes, you'll get there. It will happen. And that's not me going, this is what you do, 21 days, like diets sell, then they they sound great. I am promising results. There's no doubt about that. 100%, I'm selling results here every week, every week. And in my private practice with clients and in my YouTube videos and all the things I do to communicate my ideas to the world, there is a very big sell. And that is that there are actual results. If you listen to what I tell you and do what I tell you, not in like a eat at 1030, but the tools and, and, and exercises that I lay out here that enable you to approach your life in a way that yields these actual changes. That's what I'm talking about. You hear the difference is that I'm talking about ideas here. I'm talking about a way of thinking, a philosophy of of life that you can then apply to your life. I'm not saying do this on day four, do this on day seven, here's how you exercise this day if you do these things. And those things do yield their own results. There's no doubt about it. They absolutely do. They yield weight loss. They yield fitness. They yield six-pack abs. Fantastic. As long as those make you happy and as long as those are things that occur and you understand they're not going to stick around without you being able to continue the work. So even the diet may work fantastically. It may yield you the weight loss you want, which makes no difference to you possibly if it comes back. Unless, I've talked about this book a long time ago, but there was like one diet book on Amazon that is specifically like lose a crap load of weight as fast as possible to get to the party that you have. Like he, this guy was so paradise and I actually like it better that he's not saying, he's not fooling you into thinking he's trying to sell you a long-term anything. He's like, look, if you have a party on November 12th, my diet will get you thin enough to, to wear the dress or suit that you want to wear on that. And after that, hey, I look, whatever, spend the eleven ninety five of my book, but that's not my problem. Um, and I kind of like I appreciate that honesty a little bit better because it's like, let's just talk about what we're talking about here. We want it as fast as possible. And 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 sometimes that means doing some crazy. I think that's a little bit crazy, but that's just me. I Look, I, I wouldn't do that. I, maybe I would. Maybe I would just be like, look, I really want to have a full head of hair by December 4th because I have that party and um, I'm being honored as man of the of the day. And so I really want a full head of hair. So let me look for a book that'll just get me there, and then I'll just lose all my hair after that. But at least I got that party and the photos to prove. <clears throat> if you're just joining me, welcome to the Approaching the Natural podcast. I'm glad you're here. Uh, if this is new to you, for real, 
this is a podcast about ideas. And, and, it, and it really, really is. And sometimes I, you can hear the sarcasm in my voice when I talk about diets and things like that. But the fact of the matter is, I really am not against those things. I want you to be in a place that you can manage those efforts better. Training plans. Of course, I'm not, I'm not against training plans. I think they're fantastic. Use them to run ultra marathons for crying out loud. I've done the Wim Hof program, 10 weeks training plan. I, the success in my mind of those things that I've embarked upon personally are that I understand the short-term nature of them. They're not there to solve lifelong happiness. They're there to make me happy. That There's no doubt about that. Learn something new, pretty cool. Try something, achieve something, absolutely. And they're those, and they set themselves up in a place in my life. They have a very real role there. But behind all that, is, is an effort and practice on my, in, in my own mind for my own life to achieve overall what I call the umbrella goal of health and happiness, such that any individual thing that I take on is, is done in such a way that that doesn't derail the overall ethic that I carry with me, which is that I, I do want to be healthy and happy, and, and I don't want to do that at the expense of some race that I'm training for that I have no business training for because my life is such a way that I have to sacrifice everything that's important to me to do this race. So it's up to us. In fact, I'd say we're in this alone. What? That's the title of it. That's, I got ahead of my, I'll do some more announcements at the end. I'm, I'm really, as of episode 190, like I'm good, like just putting everything at the end of the, of the week of the episode most of the announcements, but there's a couple that I want to mention, and that is that this Thursday, I'm heading to New York. If you're listening to this before uh, May 19th-ish, 2017, I am heading to New York for the weekend to speak at the New York City Veg Food Fest. So I'm kind of wrapping up my week, and I'm going to hit the road um, to drive four hours down to the airport, spend the night, fly out early the next morning. Get to stay with my buddy JT, my one of my two high school friends that I still keep in touch with, and that'll be really fun. And he, um, this is just shows you like if you're just joining me, like go back to old episodes and listen because this won't make any sense to you, and you'll probably turn off the podcast. But he texted me last week, uh, and he's at the market, and he it's like one of those voice text things that that they do now. So he you hear him he goes, hey, hey, listen, he's from Texas. Hey, listen. Uh, let me know if you want me to pick up anything from the market. I, I got there's plenty of scotch, but if you need anything else, there's plenty of scotch, but if you need anything else, that, that just goes to show the priorities that I set for me, and also how people understand my role as a health coach, nutritionist, and small steps coach. I wrote him back and said, I think we're good unless you want to pick up a few bananas. Like to me, if I have scotch and bananas. 50-mile race, nothing, just nothing. I could just run that thing. I don't even know. It's fantastic the kind of fitness I can achieve on scotch and bananas. I think it would be a good diet book even. I'd probably make millions of dollars. And fix the taillight on my Ford Focus. Listen, I don't want to get into the nitty-gritty of my life, okay? Um, I have been in a weird situation with my book. Not weird, just in my own head weird, which is that it's at my editors and it's been there for a couple weeks and she's called a couple times and said hey you know here's I have a question about this and I'm working on this and I uh, but I'm just kind of hanging like I'm in, I'm in like a I'm I've gone dark I don't know what I can't do anything I'm fidgeting because I'm like should I be typing something because they're I don't know what to type she has the file I can't change I um she now, I think she totally understands what is going on with this book. I will tell you without giving much away, and the book is called, by the way, Raising Healthy Parents, Small Steps, Less Stress, and a Thriving Family. It's out September, but it's going to be, um, you know, I'm going to be starting to do some publicity on that pretty soon, and, and it's, it's exciting because it's like so, it's a lot closer. I'll put it that way. Um, but it's unconventional, and she sort of understands that now. She's like, I need to, t like, she's the managing editor, and then there was another copy editor who ran through it, and he was making some, and she sort of understands now the nature of what I did to this book. It could completely fail or I have no idea. Why don't I'm sending it out into the world. I have no idea. I'm happy with it as a small stepper. Like that's what we do. And uh, if we're happy with it, we're good. Um, but it's just, I don't know what to do because it's very unconventional and I don't know what to make of it. I don't know what to make of it. I wanted it to be something that was fun and that you people could just pick up and grab and 
kind of thumb through any page and grab something. That's kind of the idea. But there's no chapters. It's weird. There's all these crazy headers. And she's like, so is this like a main header or a subheader? I was like, I don't know. I kind of do know. YouTube, I posted a new video this morning called, Oh Mother, Where Art Thou? Not Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh Mother, what? I know, yesterday was Mother's Day. So I did a, not a, I mean, yes, it's kind of Mother's Day theme, but I broadened it out. This is kind of touching on the subject of, of my book, but into parenting, into care. Um, watch that video. It's something, I, you know, I'm seeing it more and more as I probably just notice it. I'll just put it that way. I'm noticing it more and more. It's not that it's increasing in the world, but I'm definitely paying closer attention to just this thing that happens to us as adults as we we go through our lives and 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 we become many of us in in positions of responsibility for a company, for a family, for a loved one, a whole bunch of stuff. We're on boards, we, we have jobs, you know, we all these kinds of responsibilities that we have, things that we have to quote care about. We we have to apply our focus and thought and and care to this thing. And that's appropriate. It's what it is. It's called living in the modern world. And we learn how to get really good at that. We we go, okay, well, I'm gonna try to be the best person at work that I can. I, I, I'm going to be a good, really good teacher. I'm going to be a, I'm going to sit on a board. I'm going to do that really well. I'm going to care about this and I'm going to invest a lot of time and effort into this project, if you will. Raising kids is, is in a way a project. I don't mean to make it impersonal, but it, it's a, it's a, it's a crafting of sorts of the way that you raise your child and you want to do best by them and you want to create a, 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 a you want to help create be a, a, a hopefully an active participant in in the evolution of your child into adulthood for them to figure out how to best equip them with what they need tools wise to achieve in the world. These are all mighty noble pursuits. And yet we find ourselves in these situations when we haven't done we haven't learned how to take care of ourselves. We never got the chance to, to really settle into a, a good stride with our own health and happiness. We never found that which works for us, or at least a way of thinking, or at least a way of grabbing something or keeping something tr- for ourselves, holding something sacred for ourselves. We, we sort of get launched into the world because we're convinced that College is really should be about learning something that's worthy of making money. You know, you got to learn a trade or you got to learn, you know, study here so you can go there and then you can get that job. I mean, it's kind of the way of productivity, at least in the United States and most other countries. It's it's preparing you. Okay, well, you, t- you know, I remember when I lived in Germany for a couple months in college and the students there, like they take a test and they go, okay, well, you're going to be in this school now because the way you tested, there's now four things that you are going to be apt for. And and it, and it's, you kind of narrow you down and send you through this, now this shoot on the left that, that feeds you out into the world as an auto mechanic or as a, you know, an electrical engineer. And then this person over here, medical doctor, this person over here, teacher. Those are very productive it's a product productivity mindset. It's a mindset of how do we train people to be most efficient in the thing that they're going to do best at, which will then lead into a stronger economy, et cetera, et cetera. Kind of depressing when you think about it. Necessary, but no less depressing when you think about us as sort of automatons. Like you at 15, we know that you're going to be an auto mechanic. So just go do that. No chance of that changing. No chance of you writing uh, you know, a, a freaking symphony. That's not never going to happen for you because the way you tested today and you ate a donut this morning and your brain's on fire, but okay, the way you tested today, that's going to be what now you're set for the rest of your life. That's what it is. What I'm seeing with with people in general, and sure parents, because obviously you're looking at a parent with kids as a very obvious obvious example of somebody who has very real things that are in front of them every day, which is these children that you have to feed and clean and provide for, and and a lot, and we work to earn the money to do this. It's all very focused on that, as it should be. That's what we do. It's our species does that. We we our bodies are designed to survive and also procreate. It's what we do at base level. Got to stay alive. Got to make sure more of us 
continue doing what we do on the earth, which is all 100% fantastic what we're doing for the earth. There's no doubt about that in my mind. Uh, with that said, what I'm seeing is people who just don't have the skills and the tools to do what, what they've learned to do for others for themselves. They, they have, or maybe they have the skills, by the way, they may have the skills because they are maybe teaching their kids how to eat healthy, but they're not, they don't have the tools to, to do that for themselves, or they've decided on some level that it's not about them anymore. It's about entirely about this thing in front of them, outside of them. Connected to them, to be sure, and success in raising a child, we, as parents, that, that comes back to us and we go, oh, I'm, I've been such a good parent. I did a really good job with my kids. I'm here to say it's also about doing a good job by you. It's doing right by you. And, and furthermore, one step beyond that is, of course, it also, by doing right by yourself, you are doing better for your child. That, that's an argument I make. Doing right by yourself, you do better at your job. I've worked you know, at the Stanford Inn for 10 years, 11 years, in addition to everything else I do. But I work at the Stanford Inn. There's a lot of people there. You know, it's not a huge company. It's an eco resort and there's 85 plus employees. And you can definitely tell the difference between the people who sort of have their personal lives basically in check. Nobody's perfect, neither am I. But basically in check, it's all relative. Nobody's 100%, right? But basically in check, such that when they walk in the door in the morning, they're not just a, just a, just a, a, a poster of craziness, just words of nutty nut nut, just walking through the door. They kind of got a general sense of themselves. They kind of come in. They can have bad days and good days, but generally they can handle stuff. And then there's the people who just don't. You can tell their personal lives are in such a state of flux and disarray that walking in the door is just, they can't shed that stuff for five minutes. It's it, The balance has shifted not to their benefit. Now, I live in a little town where there's barely any people, so we can't do anything about it. That's a whole nother issue, um, but but for real. And so and so anyway. But the point is is that is that you can tell the difference, and you can also tell I can how if how much of a difference it does make when we do what's necessary to make sure that our figurative houses are in order every day and each day. I began this episode by talking about this is ongoing. It's it's. We're convinced that if we just do this thing and go on this retreat and do this diet that we're set for life and we're never set for life. We're only set for life if we understand that it means being engaged forever every day or at least times of every day. We can't be 100% engaged. We have to be, you know, we, we, we have to float off and we have to take breaks for sure. And of course, we have jobs and real responsibilities and obligations that we have to attend to, and we can be engaged in those things. But in terms of engagement in our own lives, in terms of taking moments, I call them stealing moments of each day to recheck in with who we are and to figure out, are we, or ask, are we doing right by ourselves right now? Are we doing right by ourselves? We ask, am I a good parent? I hope I don't screw my kids up. Am I teaching them the right thing? Am I doing a good job? Do I come to work on time? Do I do really good work? Am I creative at work? Am I competent? Am I, am I, am I kicking ass there? But what about am I kicking ass here? We, we don't know. And I see it more. I see plenty of parents just, uh, they're breaking down. I can see it. I can see it in the way that I see coworkers breaking down. I've seen it in myself at times, you know, last year getting ready for my ultra, the first year that I had it, I broke, I was breaking down. There was no doubt about it. Breaking down. If you guys haven't heard that episode with, um, Jess, the tri yoga, yogi triathlete, it's a good episode. I went and listened to it. She did a good job interviewing. It's a good conversation we have and BJ, her husband, really cool folks. And, and, and a really good episode. Um, but we talked about this, but it's just, it's I see the breakdown. I see this happen and and I and I want to be there to say to convince you how important uh, I I would say the most important is you taking care of yourself. It, it's if you want to achieve success in the modern world, it is going to come down to first and foremost you either learning the tools or getting the tools out of the closet where you've stored them because now I can't deal with it. I got to take care of a child kind of thing, bringing those things back out big time. And it's why I come here every week because like 
success in life where it's not just one thing and then you go, okay, I'm good. I got this dialed in. It's this podcast, same thing. People come back here every week. I, I talk about new things, but I revisit other themes constantly because I it's that's what it is because the rest of the world is very productivity. It's very about how to do this efficiently, this quote unquote, whatever this is. But what I talk about, I believe, is real. What I talk about is to enable you to live your lives as successfully as possible on your terms and with what you find important and to be very clear about those things day to day because it's so easy to get lost. I mean, so easy to get lost. Like Lisa and I, my wife Lisa, are just just now like cleaning up the remnants like, like of the house even just of me writing a book and her being busier with the kids because I was writing the book and and all the other things we do and she works full time and I work full time in addition to all this and all of a sudden yes this weekend we're looking at the house and we're like oh my did we have a, a tsunami in the house when we were asleep because I never bought all the stuff that's piled up on my countertops and so this weekend just had its, it's time right kind of refocus and sort of reestablish our baseline and go okay now we're we're good. I am thinking about sort of my next project. I have a few irons in the fire, but one of the things I want to maybe do, and I guess I'll announce it here, but I'm not committing yet, but I want to start, I've been working on music and and playing music every week. This is one of my steps on my steps list. And I have a tape recorder, literally a tape recorder, uh, old school. I know I've had it for like 20 years, still works. Why not use it? Um, And I've had, I have a bunch of ideas on there that I have never gone back and flushed out and seen if there's anything good there. I kind of want to get back into that a little bit. And by a little bit, I mean a small step that's going to be uh, sustainable and that get, gets me excited and happy and, and, and do that. I have no timeline at all, but just thought that's kind of cool, right? Um, my website, the subscription website is uh, well on its way now. And the testers have given me some incredible feedback. It's amazing how um, important perspective is, you know, and, and this is definitely relates to our own lives and how, how we can get so mired in the day-to-day minutia that we, we don't have perspective to say, yes, I've been doing this thing, but for a while and I know it and I understand it, but man, it's not working for me. That's a perspective issue. That's a, somebody asking you or you learning how to ask yourself, wait, is, is this thing that I do and I've sort of defined myself by it, but is it really working for me? Is it delivering the life I want to live, that's a perspective issue. And and with the subscription site that I'm building, uh, and pretty close to launching actually, but but I'll more on that later. Um, and I know there's interest, so I'm not, this isn't like a marketing teaser thing. I'm, I'm not quite ready, but I'm close. Um, but, but it's perspective. So people are testing it going, hey, you should, I'm like, you're freaking right. How did I miss that? I missed it because I've been covered in it for a year. And now I'm able to sort of get opinions that are of people who are new to it and seeing it with fresh eyes. Kind of cool, right? If we can look at ourselves and our lives with fresh eyes, what a great thing. We It's hard to do. And it takes what, oh, I don't know, time. And it takes a moment of freaking silence. And in that context of of the job and the and the families and everything else, we we don't get the moment of silence. And even if we do, what do we do with it? We fill it up with 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 movies and and you know entertainment and 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 even podcasts and music, and that's all great, but what about just some moments of silence to get perspective, some moments to ask ourselves a question that we want to ask? So more on that in this episode, which I'm going to get to. But one thing I wanted to mention first is an article that um, Jeff Stanford sent me via a, a, a new technology called texting, which I thought was interesting. It's from the magazine New Scientist, which I used to read old scientists, but I honestly, it's so 2015, that magazine. This is New Scientist. So, mm, little sip of gynostema tea, you guys. It's Monday morning. I'm feeling energetic. I'm really, really lobbying. I, I just texted Jeff this morning. I was like, I, I'm doing the podcast in the morning. I can't deal with the nighttime. I mean, I can, but I, I, it's so much better in the morning. Um, new Scientist. Here's the title, okay? How fasting may be good for the brain. The brain, if you don't know, is an organ in the stomach. Wait a second. I could be gotten that wrong. No, no, it's in the head. It's in the head, you guys. Sorry, I just Wikipedia'd it. Uh, fasting could be good for the brain. Interesting article. It's about a, uh, a hormone uh, called uh, ghrelin. Ghrelin? 
ghrelin, a stomach hormone. I don't know. It's G-H-R-E-L-I-N. They did not provide phonetic you know, pronunciation tips in this article. But what's interesting, here's, I'm going to read a little bit about this, okay? A stomach hormone that's, this is quoting, a stomach hormone that stimulates appetite seems to promote the growth of new brain cells and protect them from the effects of aging and may explain why some people say that fasting makes them feel sharper. Ghrelin is known as the hunger hormone as it is made by the stomach when it gets empty. If we go a few hours without food, its levels rise in our blood, boom, but there is also evidence that ghrelin can enhance cognition. This is all new stuff. It's not like it's you know 100% there and it's definitely happening 100%. But man, the research, and by the way, this is research on caloric restriction is not new. They, people have been studying it with animals, and there's human people, human people, uh, scientists doing it on themselves where they you know, live on 1,200 calories a day, so sort of that caloric restriction kind of thing. Uh, the way I look at it, of course, is in the approaching the natural rubric, the category of, which is that we are, pro, we are well equipped to deal in times of, of hunger. It's what we do. Of course, in the modern world, we never have to feel that. Even the uh, perception of hunger, which isn't even real hunger, sends us to the quick chips and the fast food and the prepackaged, processed, high, huge amounts of calories in very small spaces, like box food, as I say. But when you allow your body to exist in, in a more natural state, notice I say more natural because, again, we can't be 100% natural, but when you allow your body to live in a more natural state once in a while, amazing things can happen. And they're not really that amazing when you think about that just how the body is supposed to, to, to live. I think it's more amazing that we actually can get up in the morning given the inordinate amount of stress that we have on our bodies and the crazy nutrition or lack of that we put in our faces Every day, I, I'm actually amazed that we can get up and go to work and that we're not all killing everybody all the time. We're killing like some of the people all the time. I think that's a, that's a great step. But if you can allow your body to be a little hungry, and this is what, if you're just joining me, go, please go back and listen to old episodes, but I'll, I'll address it here. I have been um, experimenting myself, um, not yet with clients too much, um, but with intermittent fasting. And this is what I mean, which is, I more call it time-restricted. I'm not the only one, but this is the stuff I've read on it. I, I refer to it as time-restricted because I don't want people to think that it's caloric restriction. It's not necessarily, well, it's definitely not counting calories, but it's not even necessarily trying to decrease calories per se. I do find that I, I talked about it last week that I am eating less calories overall just because I'm not as hungry, and that's just kind of fine by me. I, and, but I can definitely, the reason why this article is so interesting to me is because I definitely can tell the difference in for me in cognitive, and this is before I read the article. It was like a placebo where I was like, All right, "Let me see if this happens to me." I've been reporting on this clarity of thought. Today is Monday, and Mondays like today, I will not eat anything until dinner. I'll just drink water, and I'll have my the tea that I'm having right now. I'll probably have another espresso um, until dinner, but no food, nothing, no digestion, no virtually no calories at all. Um, maybe one or two in the espresso. I, I don't even know what that is. It's very minimal amount. Um, but but basically no energy digesting, virtually none. And I can definitely feel that I'm clicking on more cylinders when I do that. Now, if I did that every day, I might slog into like a, I don't have enough food, must eat more food, can't think, but intermittent. And time restricted is me on other days eating between this is what this is how it's sort of shaken out with me just given my schedule <clears throat> about noon or 11 a.m to noon between 11 a.m or noon that's when I start eating and I finish eating by six that's kind of most days I'm able to pull that off or want to sometimes I'll go to seven um, if I get home late and I just eat dinner whatever it might end up at seven but I don't eat anything until the next day around 11 or noon. It's just how it's been working for me. So usually now instead of three meals, it's like two meals. Or if it's three, it's at least jam-packed in that smaller amount of time. And I, I just am telling you, for me, it's very interesting to see the mechanics of this. It's not necessary, but it's interesting to see the mechanics of how the body's like, oh, this is what happens when I don't have to eat all the time. I can actually do the business and the work of being healthy the article goes on to mention neurogenesis, which is creating new 
cells in the brain. This is neuroplasticity. All the things that we thought was like, oh, once you lose brain cells, you can never get them back. Well, this is showing that's not true. And guess what else is? Cold therapy. That's why the Wim Hof thing was kind of a mind blower for me in that it inspired me to look further into the research about that um, because that has also the very real effect of neurogenesis, of of grow of of that happening in your brain it's amazing so um i'm just throwing that out there as that kind of a dual dual directional kind of like tack it from here and attack it from here time restriction little cold therapy and things are moving and the body's allowed to to kind of do its deal cold therapy by the way is the same thing in a way the way i see it cold therapy is exactly the same thing as time restricted or intermittent fasting it's this thing of allowing your body to do what it would do in nature was to which to be get cold now and then we, we don't let it get cold just like we don't let it get hungry for a minute and it's okay to to just in a safe way not in safe way because there's just too much food there but in a safe way dip down into these areas of discomfort but not a ton i, I i'm fine like today i'm not going to be miserable i the first couple days i did this where i do water all day it was a mental thing for sure um, of like, uh, 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 now I love it. I mean, I absolutely love it. Mondays, I look forward to Mondays. I eat on weekends. I don't really think about it. I don't do time restriction. I'm just kind of eating with my family. That's all good. But Monday rolls around. And I'm like, okay, back at work. Perfect. Not thinking about food anyway, because I'm at work. Ideal. Come home and have a big salad. Feeling really good. Again, I will touch on this real quick, but this, this comes down to sort of listening to our, this whole idea of listening to our bodies. I, got to the point with the practice that I'm doing of the cold therapy and the breathing and the and the intermittent fasting of of being attentive to the fact that I was feeling better, having more energy, my runs have been better, uh, my thinking has been clear, as I say. But I want to understand, I want you to understand the bigger question about this, which is how do we get to the point where we can truly listen to our bodies. Don't uh, you know my my pet peeve if you've heard me before, my pet peeve of listening to our I just listen to my body. 9 times out of 10 that means that's a craving for something that you're trying to justify eating and you don't want to eat and I say eat it and and be okay with it. But don't don't fool yourself with I I need it because of calcium because you don't. You're craving it. But listening to our bodies is is a deeper truly listening to our bodies is a deeper level of attention. And I want to help you through the tools of my small steps approach to have more moments where you can actually listen, where it's quiet. Man, here's that silence again, where it's quiet enough that you can actually listen to your body and actually be in a place of honesty where you can look down and say, hey, this fat around my midsection is a stress response. My body must be under stress. Not, oh, I don't look good or no, that person doesn't look good. Again, don't get me started on body shaming. It's freaking crazy crazy what's going on in the in the world in the marketplace this is about you and being happy so just be clear about that but i'm not sleeping well i'm irritated i'm irritable my skin is blemished and has you know things on it my hair is brittle my nails are you know i don't have an energy i can't run i feel my joints are are sore those are how we listen to our body those are the things that we do but we want to we have to, that's not easy to do that. That's, first of all, it's a, a level of honesty and objectivity to look down and go, this isn't, again, this isn't working for me. But second, it's how do we find the time to even get there? When we crave the ice cream and we want to say that's listening to our bodies, what we are listening to is our minds that are stressed and want to freaking break. And I totally get that too. But I do think it's an important question to ask is what is working for me or is this working for me? And if not, can I change? Crazy. That's a whole nother bag, right? First of all, get to the point where you can listen. And ideally, when you do, you can do the build the practice in your life of knowing how to make changes when you want to, right? Easier said than done, Sid. You bet your ass. That's why I come here 191. 191 times. 191 weeks. I'm amazed at that. You want to talk about the actual word amazement? That's me, amazed that I've done this 191 weeks in a row. What I didn't tell you is I recorded all 191 episodes the first week, and I just now I just launch them every week. And I just had a feeling that I was going to be going to New York three years later. And so I just kind of shy, I just rolled the dice. I was like, I'll bet around this time I'll be heading to the New York City Veg Fest before I was even speaking at my first Veg Fest and my book, first book had just come out. 
But that's that's what happens when you're a small stepper. You can tell the future. Let's uh, let's uh, let's gracefully slide into the subject of this week's episode, and that was not graceful at all. It's called "We're in this alone." I want to talk about a friend of mine that I'm not going to mention his her name at all, but by way of an example of of what happens in our lives and can happen in our lives, and how ultimately and and crazily crucial it is that we continue an ethic of self care and a, and, and continue an ethic of attention. We Things can happen. We are active players, but at the same time, sometimes we're less active than others. Sometimes things occur in our lives that, that are stark and real and overnight. As much as small steppers as we are and ease our way into the changes that we make in our lives in ways that are minimally stressful, and again, someone's small step can be Huge compared to another person's small step. Again, I can't, 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 can't repeat it enough. It's an ethic, okay? I keep hearing this like, are you a, do you small step or do you, take, do you make big, big changes? And I'm going, if you're a small stepper, what something you do might look like a big change to somebody else. But for you, it's a small step because it's minimally stressful. Got it? I'm probably going to say that forever on this podcast because it's the number one way that my approach is misconstrued. Is that well? I don't. That doesn't really work for me. That I have sometimes. I have to just go big. Then you're ready to go big, or if you're not, you're going to burn out, and it's not going to be. It's not going to work for you. So, here's what I mean. A friend of mine's uh, going through a big life change. Okay, um, a relationship is breaking up. It's finished, and it's the move happened. And this didn't happen overnight as if, as if relationships like it was perfect yesterday. And then today it probably wasn't perfect yesterday. Okay. We get that long time coming, but at the same time, the, the, in the world manifestation of this is happening. This person's on their own now. It's, it's a stark change. Uh, it occurs to me how, a few things, one, how important our friends and family are in times like these, Right, because the modern world is so nutty, nut, nut that that we do need help. As, as the title of this episode is "We're in this alone," and we are. It is ultimately up to us, but how crucial it is to have a support system. But you can do it even without. I'm just saying that it's. I believe that to be true. I think that people can dig deep when they need to, and when they have the ability and the practice to do that, I think they can dig deep and get what they need out and to handle all this kind of stuff. But the second thing that occurs to me is just how the amazing amount of courage and strength that it takes somebody to to make a change like that. To it's it's just I, I I've been living in this area recently in my practice and in, in, in this podcast, this area between how comfortable dysfunction can be, how 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 really kind of understood and okay we are with dysfunction because the alternative seems just too we just can't do it like it just seems too much for us to handle and i'm living in this little area in between with the way that i speak to you know clients and things like that is that you know living this way, eating this way, uh, uh, not exercising, all these kinds of things that we supposedly want to change, but man, they're just so, we get them, we understand, we've gotten to know them over the years. I, I understand, I understand two things. I understand what I'm eating because I know and how to fix it and everything, and I also understand, I just get, I'm used to just feeling crappy about it. I'm feeling crappy about and guilty and, and the guilt and shame. Like we can get used to that kind of thing because it, it populates our day-to-day so, so much that we just yeah that's it we identify with it it's what we know and there's a tipping point for people there's a tipping point i think for everybody and when somebody hits that tipping point that's an incredible not to be underestimated moment where somebody's like we're done we're freaking done here and or i'm done here i'm done here and no longer am I okay with this relationship that I've had with myself in the context of how I eat and how I move, or in this case, the relationship that I have with my spouse. Um, I'm not okay with it anymore. It's not who I am. It's now the change, as difficult as it is going to be, I have no choice here. 
the tipping point has happened where it's now time for me to make that change. And again, it could be that finally you're like, you know, I'm done yo-yo dieting. Like I get it. I understand yo-yo dieting. I've been doing it for 40 years. I'm done. I don't, I want to think differently about my life. I want to be the person that I am. And I realize now that these things have actually kept me from behaving true to my character. There are, they are in the way of me being me and I ain't doing it anymore. And it's, it's such a inspiring, but scary place to be in, uh, to, even to watch, you know, like I am nervous for this person. I, I'm, I feel fear, but I also feel hope and feel inspired by somebody who's just seemingly like been in this kind of thing for a long time. And then you always wonder like, are, is it going to happen? They want it to happen. It's very clear, but then they do. And it's like, holy crap, that's incredible. And ideally then the forces, the troops, the surrounding support system jump into action and go, this person needs me right now. And that's what's happening. And we're going to make sure that we do everything we can to make that thing work uh, forever. But I don't want anybody to underestimate the changes that occur. Well, I don't want anybody to underestimate the strength and power and fear that happen when you make, when you've had it, when you hit that tipping point. It's not, it's not easier just because you finally had it. It's maybe slightly easier because you realize it's the right time to make a change. And that's a really good thing. You're not forcing the change. You're like in it and you go like, I'm done here. I think you can move the tipping point sooner the more aware you are. That 100% believe that. That the more aware you are and the more you're used to being engaged in your own life, the tipping point moves sooner on things. You will stop yo-yo dieting sooner when you're clear about who you are. You will move out of a relationship or move to fix a relationship sooner the more aware you are in that relationship. So again, it's the relationship of you. We're in this alone. It's you in relationship to everything in your life. And the more you are the person you are, the tipping point happens sooner. Once the tipping point happens, of course, then I'm going to step in as a small stepper and say, ease your way in in a way that is minimally stressful and that doesn't tank you. But again, if you become aware and realize your relationship is so horrible, your small step is going to be, we're done. And you walk. And that's your small step. Make no mistake, guys. Don't look at somebody who just walks out of a relationship and go, oh, they just made a huge change. That could be years in the making of thinking and realizing and all the things that happened and maybe even trying to fix it and that didn't work and all these and leads up. You don't know the background and all of a sudden it happens. You go, wow, they didn't small. That's not a small step or they made a huge change. No, for them, it wasn't. For them, it was the next logical step in their own evolution of becoming. And moving on to what I call the Johnny Depp problem. Now, I love Johnny Depp, and often uh, Lisa and I have discussed that years ago, I not so much now, but years ago, Lisa and I always wanted a double date with Johnny Depp and Uma Thurman, and then Lisa would go home with Uma and I'd go home with Johnny. That was the, we had that plan, it never materialized. I tried, we tried. Um, but this is more Johnny Depp, Edward Scissorhands Johnny Depp, okay? Just, I'm just kind of play, putting it in the, in the place there. Um, the Johnny Depp problem, he, uh, there was an article, Lisa looked, she's like, Johnny Depp's like in huge trouble and he's suing his management company. He's lost all this money and all this kind of stuff. And again, like this is not me jumping in on the trite money doesn't buy happy. First of all, I don't necessarily agree. I think money can, I don't know if it can buy happiness. Maybe it can, maybe there's something called happiness that you can purchase, and if you can't send me a link to that on Amazon, <clears throat> if you can, if I can save up for that. But um, but it's not about that. I do think that money can make things easier. I hundred percent believe that they can't buy you happiness. But let's let's be real that it can make some things easier. I also think that I want I would love to have more money. I, I, I true. But I want to earn, and I want you guys to understand this too. That I want everybody listening to this to earn money as you. I would love to earn more money, but not to give up anything that is me. So in other words, I've talked about the lottery. I don't want to win money. That's not me. It sounds good the way that a diet sounds good. Six-pack abs in 10 weeks sounds good. But I, I, don't, I want to earn it as me. I want to earn happiness as me. So the point that I want to make is to understand that good things 
happen to people, just like bad things happen to people. But things that are a break, let's say, like you're you're an actor, and this never happened for me. Like I used to make my living acting, and I did fine, but I never broke. Like I never, I did a movie one time, and I was on there for like two and a half months, and I thought this is it. Like I, it's a, it was a big budget movie, and I was on it, and and I came back to L.A. after shooting it in Houston and Washington D.C. and came back, and I was like. I got, I'm good here. And I sent out to agents to try to, no, no interest, nothing, like nothing. I never got, I never got that. I couldn't ever understand that. I was like, I was just on a movie. And they were like, yeah, we don't. A lot of people on movies, like we don't care. But you can work for years and you're busting your ass and all of a sudden that break does come. And all of a sudden this flood of everything, this happened to a friend of mine who just was like, he worked for the census and all of a sudden he books a, a TV show and his life changed overnight, like overnight that he got a call and the next day it was rolling. It was, he was moving to New York and he was a star on this show for four years and he, his income tripled ten, 10 times what it was. Crazy. And it changes and these things happen. And also things that we perceive as bad things can happen too. And I want you to understand that that looking at a guy like Johnny Depp and you and we, we go eh, like $650 million and he's like down the tubes and it, first of all, it's all relative because it's not like he's poor. He had like, you know, whatever thousands of dollars he spends every, probably millions of dollars every every month. But the point is, it's about the where you will be when something good or something so-called bad happens. Where are you? And if you're, I'll use the acting example because it's really good. It's a really good uh, analogy, actually, because people in, in Los Angeles where I live, there are just a ton of people just acting and working and acting and working and acting and working. And when that break happens, if it happens, their lives do change. And all I'm arguing every week here is that along with the working on your acting and the working on your craft, the working on your job, the working on your family is the working on you because the question is, where will you be when the bad or the good happens? Where will you be in the picture? And again, this is like a crappy article about John. I have no idea if it's even true, but like showing up to set drunk, like actors, I've talked about actors before, you know, the rate of divorce is crazy. They're, they're, they're making all this money, but they're not well. A lot of them aren't happy. They're drugs and alcohol, just crazy stuff. And again, a lot of that's PR crap. So I'll just use it as a light example. But it's the you in this question. It's always the you in this question. And along with every pursuit that you make, or try along with every direction you set yourself in. I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to try to achieve this. I'm going to try to write this book. I'm going to try to get this job. I'm going to go to school to become this. Alongside that should be, okay, as I'm doing that, I better prepare for success. Or I also want to prepare for failure. Not expect failure. Not expect success. Focus on the work and do the work for sure. But focus on you and do the work on you so that whatever happens, you're in a very good place to deal with that. Being a small stepper is, in a way, it's a constant state of ready. You're, you're on the ready. I'm on the ready. I'm on the ready. I wake up every morning, and I want to be more on the ready than I was yesterday. I want to be more capable and functional in a context of potentially a stark change. Look, we could... The Great Depression happened and people lost things overnight that had virtually nothing to do with them, in theory. People invested and all of a sudden it was like a crash and it's like people lost everything, right? Things happen. And where are you in that situation? And what's almost more interesting to me is is what happens when things go really well and how ill-prepared people are when sometimes when people when things go well for them. They're not in the right place. They get lost in the craziness of that. That happens a lot with cancer patients. Not That's not the good th- example. <laughs> Just to be clear, he thinks cancer is good. Yes, it's like li- winning the lottery. Yes, that's exactly what I meant. But people who get, I've time and time again, worked with people with cancer and, and talked to many people with cancer, and they lose themselves, and this is not a fault to them, but just the situation of the way that Western medicine is designed. And when you have cancer and you're shuttled from this doctor to that doctor, and it's just craziness. And often people are just like, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I don't want to talk about cancer. I don't want to think about cancer. I don't want to even talk about anything that rhymes with cancer. I'm over it. They're in the things and they're getting the treatments, but they, it, 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 it's all about, it takes over their entire lives. They, the you of that situa- situation has been lost. And I don't think it's ever a bad thing and only a good thing to reclaim that to grab that back and say, yes, this is happening, 
but I'm not losing myself in this thing. This is this thing that's happening is not me. It's happening to me. And people say, this is happening to me. Well, that that to me intimates that there's a, a you there. You're not saying I am cancer. You're saying I've got cancer. I just got diagnosed with cancer. I, 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 I. And sometimes the I is just lowercase all of a sudden. All of a sudden in your life, it kind of doesn't seem like your life as much when these things happen. I do am a firm believer, and this is why ultimately I believe this podcast to be a very positive podcast, even though I have my fun with things. I do think that everybody already has the tools. I really believe that. I, I think that they're there. I think we have a very survival strength in us that is just untapped. And that's the thing about the intermittent effect. It's all, it all links up to me in my brain, in my weird brain. And I hope that I make that clear. And I obviously I can't get it out in one podcast, so I come back here. But I see the intermittent fasting as relating to the cold therapy, as relating to you stealing moments out of your day, as relating to you tapping into the strength and power that's inside you. It's all little moves to, to be in touch with that strength. That's what this is. And it's a habit in and of itself of doing that. It's learning how to be a person who is in touch with their own strength and power, is in touch with the own tools that they have at their disposal in them already. And we, I need you guys to be very clear that being honest with yourself is a habit in and of itself. Learning how to be honest with yourself. That's how relationships get to a point where they potentially break up is because finally somebody is honest with themselves enough to go, this ain't getting fixed. Or I think I can fix this, but it's not working. That's honesty too. Self-care is a habit in and of itself. Kindness is a habit. Focus is a habit. Hard work is a habit. Being open to change is a habit. These are these are things that we have, if we want, have to learn and stay with over time to make them part of who we are. It's a long-term process to even forget about learning a trade or riding a bicycle. That's a long-term process too. That's learning to do this thing. Well, so is learning how to take care of yourself. It's sticking with it long enough that you understand how to do it and it's part of your life long enough and still you can't turn it off because of the way the world's is designed. You still can't turn it off, but man, it makes it a lot easier once it becomes a habit to keep it in your life. But how often we are in these positions of responsibility or positions where major things are happening to us and we don't have the, the wall of behaviors intact. I talk about the wall of behaviors a lot intact. That is of a sufficient quality to allow us to do our, our wall of behaviors is stuff that we didn't choose for ourselves, that we didn't work to build a strong wall. Their behaviors that we have are the things that we, quote, have always done, but they're not working for us. And starting today, all of you listening to this right now, in your cars and on your treadmills and on your trail runs and on your bikes and at your work, to start today building new habits, creating new habits that are going to both make your life better today and also equip you for potential bigger changes that occur in your life, and then you don't get lost in the equation. You say, this is happening, I get it, but you don't get to take me away or me out of this picture. I'm here, and I will be dealing with this as best I can, but I've done the prep work here. I've done the prep. I'm, I, I've set the stage. I'm on the ready. All right? Did I? Yeah? Good? Okay. I'm going to end it here, you guys. A couple quick, you know, quickie announcements. I fin- I'm just bored by announcements. Okay. I work at the Stanford and Stanford.com, run the wellness center. Health Made Simple is a meal plan that you guys can dig uh, on. It's an excellent meal plan. Live Q&As. I did it with Matt Frazier of the No Meat Athlete. He's got a great cookbook coming out, by the way, in a couple weeks. It's doing extremely well. Um, so it's a No Meat Athlete cookbook. It's for athletes, but you can use It's really good. Okay. I blurbed it and I meant it. Um, anyway, nomeatathlete.com slash meal dash plan dash system. Um, I'm going to be in New York this weekend, Triangle Veg Fest, Durham, North Carolina in August and potentially in Portland in October. I don't know yet, but please subscribe to this podcast. Thank you to everybody who does subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'm at like 1,099. Would somebody here listening just freaking subscribe, get me to 1,100? Okay. I like even numbers. You guys are clear on that, right? 
And a big thanks to people who have gone to SidGarzaHillman.com where you can find out all about me and where I do on social media now and then, but also buy Poaching the Natural uh, merchandise like Nutty Nut Nut shirts. Love those things, right? Check those out, but also to donate to the podcast. So thank you to everybody who's donated anywhere from four bucks a month to 10, 25 a month to once in a while, I'll get a hundred dollar donation. Those things make a huge, um, uh, a huge difference. You know, I said money makes things easier. That's what that hap- That's how that happens. It makes it me able to create the content I do. I just bought a gimbal to, to shoot better footage on with my cell phone on trails. Like I do that with the money you guys donate to this podcast. It's very real. It's not a joke. And I totally appreciate it. Even if you can give a couple bucks a month, it's awesome. All right, you guys, I will be back next week. With this, the Approaching the Natural podcast, episode 192 next week, you guys. In the meantime, be well, you guys. Take care of yourselves. Please, I'm begging you. I have to just get on my knees every week and say, please take care of yourselves. It makes me feel better. Do it for me. Do it as a favor, right? All right, you guys. Be well. Twice gone, once returned In a day you decided me The black news held on like a tightly held noose On our own time we both set us free
How do you want?